All right, we'll be in Jeremiah chapter 18 this morning. Jeremiah chapter 18. I was going to start a series. I thought we, I had my dates all mixed up (laughs) this week. I was talking to Katie about, well, we got this coming up and I got to get this done by this. And then realized I had more weeks than I thought I did, which is a good thing, usually. Um, but, uh, but I decided to hold off on the series until after Easter. And uh, so we'll have a few uh, uh, different sermons here leading up to our anniversary service at Easter. Looking forward to that. And uh, it's, it's exciting to think about what all has been done in the last five years. And you can sit back and watch and, and see and look at pictures and different things and be reminded of uh, the, different, uh, the different places, the different people, the different things that went on. And it's exciting to, to have survived five years. Uh, I plan on having some videos from, uh, if not all our missionaries, at least Jeremy Rowland. And uh, he has some interesting stats on uh, church plants and the five-year mark for church plants and how many churches don't make it to five years. Um, and I, I wouldn't, I mean, I would say there's times where I thought we wouldn't survive to five years, but God has been faithful and God has been good. And, uh, and I'm excited about April the 14th, celebrating five years as a church and uh, looking forward to what God has planned for us down the road as well. And excited about all of that to come. Uh, Jeremiah, though, is one of my favorite Old Testament books. And uh, I've preached through Jeremiah a little bit in the past, and, and uh, I think there's a lot that uh, uh, is easy to look at America today and the Christian in America today and see Jeremiah as a very applicable book for us. Um, I looked at a couple different passages in Jeremiah today, but settled on this one. I want us to look at Jeremiah 18. Let's start in verse number 1. We'll read the first 10 verses. We'll pray, and then we're going to look at uh, three thoughts today. Uh, out of this passage, we'll actually look at two other passages as well. But let's start here in Jeremiah 18, starting in verse 1. It says, The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there will I cause thee to hear my word, or words. Then I went uh, down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again another vessel, as seemed good to the potter, to make it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. At what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up and to pull it down and to destroy it? If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent of the evil that I have thought to do unto them. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build and to plant it. If it do evil in my sight, that it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. I'm going to look at the potter and the clay a little bit today and the vessel which can be made and the vessel which will be made uh, through the potter's hands uh, this morning. Let's look at that. Lord, I pray for your help as we look at this passage and others. Lord, I pray that you would uh, help it to reach our hearts. Lord, I pray that if there's areas in our lives that need 
fixed, Lord, that need changed. God, that you would uh, touch those places today, that we would see those needs, and Lord, that we would submit to your will for our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd help me as I present this, that I would do it clearly and correctly. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We hear, see here the illustration uh, and the picture that is given of the potter and forming the clay into some, some sort of vessel. And I find these verses interesting because we see here that, uh, that God tells Jeremiah, Jeremiah was a prophet, and so Jeremiah uh, was, was sent many times to give messages to the people of Israel. And here God told Jeremiah, before the message, I want you to go and I want you to go to the potter's house. And so Jeremiah went to the potter's house and he saw the potter working on his wheel, forming a vessel. And it said there in verse number four that uh, it was marred in his hand. And so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. So Jeremiah is sitting there watching the potter work. I don't know if he's talking to him or if he's just standing there watching him. But he's sitting there watching the potter work. And then God says to Jeremiah, here's the message that I want you to give to Israel. And he tells them, tell them basically what happened here with the, with the potter. And he says to Israel, can I not do to you the same thing this potter did to this vessel? The potter was forming a vessel. I meant to get Plato and I didn't get it today. I, I love playing with Plato. It would have been a fun illustration. Nonetheless, uh, uh, so he's forming the, 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 a vessel and it mars in his hand. It messes up. There's a mistake. So does the potter throw it out? No, he just crunches it down. He destroys it and he starts over and makes a different vessel. And God says to Israel, can I not do the same thing to you? I formed you, I've made you, I, I've, I, I have you here for a purpose, and if you're marred, can I not just destroy you and make you into something different? That's a warning being given to Israel. Israel is known as we look through judges in, in our afternoon services, and we see many times where Israel is marred. They make mistakes. They sin. They, they turn to idolatry. They, they go away from God. Even when they're told, God doesn't want you to do this, they say, we don't care. We're doing it anyway. And God here is warning the people of Israel, and in turn, uh, as we read today, warning us, if we're not obedient to God, God can change what your purpose may have been. Number one, I want us to see something. We'll look more at that in a moment. But number one, I want us to see something very important to this whole, uh, this whole idea is God's authority as the potter. God's authority as the potter. Um, I had somebody ask me one time, a co-worker said, asked me about hell. What do you believe about hell? And I asked, I asked her, I said, well, let me ask you this first before I answer your question. What do you believe the Bible is? Do you believe the Bible is just a good book or do you believe it is God's word? She said, I believe it's just a good book. I said, okay, well, then what I believe about hell is purely based off the Bible and I believe the Bible is God's word. I will tell you what I believe and I did. Um, but without her understanding who God's authority or what God's authority is, nothing's really going to matter until she gets to that point. All right, so we have to understand God's authority, and here He is. He is the, the potter, and we are the clay. He is the, the ultimate authority uh, to this. God is not accountable to me, and He's not accountable to you. He's not. Uh, clay does not argue with the potter. I don't know if you've ever done clay. I have not. But I do understand that clay does not argue with the potter. The potter is not sitting there forming a nice coffee mug and the coffee mug say, I don't want to be a coffee mug. Make me a bowl. No. 
He doesn't form a, a vase and the, the, the clay doesn't yell up, I don't want to be a vase, I want to be a vase. Um, all right, that's, that's just a joke. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the, the clay does not argue with the potter. It submits to the potter's will. The, the, the clay has no authority over the potter. It only becomes what God makes it. And so God has the authority. We see it in verse 6 and verse number 7. He says, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? He's not asking for an answer. It's a rhetorical question. He can do with Israel and he can do with us as the potter did to this clay. Job 12.23 says, He, God, increaseth the nations and destroyeth them. He enlargeth the nations and straighteneth them again. God has the authority to do with you and to do with me and to do with Israel and to do with America and to do with anything, whatever He wants. God is the authority. God is the potter and He is the ultimate authority. Number two. Uh, see, the first point was fast. Don't get your hopes up on the next two. Number two, God's glory. God's glory. Look at verse number 7. We see, first of all, God's authority. He is the potter. We are the clay. Now we're going to see that what God makes is going to be to His glory. So look in verse number uh, 7 again. He says, In what instance I shall speak concerning a nation, concerning a kingdom, to pluck it up, to pull it down, to destroy it? If a nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, I will repent the evil that I thought to do unto them. So he says, if I'm going to destroy you, Israel, but you repent, you turn from your evil, then I will not destroy you. Then he goes down to verse number 10. If you do evil in my sight, well, look in verse number 9, I'm sorry. And at what instant I shall speak concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to build it and to plant it. So this is something that I'm going to do. I'm going to make good things, blessings out of this. He says, if you do evil in my sight, verse 10, and it obey not my voice, then I will repent of the good wherewith I said I would benefit them. So he says, he's told Israel many times, I want to bless you. I'm going to bless you. But if you're going to do evil, I will not bless that. So even though I've said I'm going to do good for you, if you're not going to obey, forget it. And if I tell you I'm going to destroy you and you repent, okay, then I can give blessing. So we see here that God says there's going to be glory being made. Uh, I'm going to get glory either way. Either through building you up and blessing you or through destroying you. In verse number 4 it says that when the, the vessel was marred in the hand of the potter, so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. The potter wasn't going to have a marred piece sitting on his shelf for sale. Nobody wants that. He says, so if I have to tear down this marred thing, I'm going to make it into something good that when people see it, I'll still be glorified in it. Have you ever walked into a place, maybe uh, we went to a flea market um, on vacation. I'd never really been to a flea market before. Um, you know, and so I, I was expecting nice things at the flea market for really cheap prices. And what I found was not nice things for really cheap prices. So we walk in and I'm like, wait a second. This guy like emptied out his garage today and he's just trying to sell me his junk. Literally, his junk is there on the table for sale. And I was a little surprised by some of the things that were out there. And I, when I walk by and I see that, I go, that guy's crazy. I don't know about you, but that's what I do. That guy's crazy thinking anybody's going to buy that stuff. And from the looks at it, nobody had. <laughs> so he had a lot of it and it was all there. Um, so the potter here, he's not going to, to put something out that someone goes, no one's going to buy that. 
It makes his craft, his profession, his uh, uh, reputation as a potter, it hurts it when he puts up something that is marred, something that is defected. God says it, it mars my reputation. I don't get any glory out of a marred vessel. And so if you're going to be a mistake, I say a mistake, God doesn't make mistakes. We do. If you're going to be a mistake, then I will, I will tear it down and make it into something that seems good to me. Now that's really the key of this message today is this, that God is going to get glory either way. God will get the glory either by you or upon you. And those are two very different things. God will either get glory by you or upon you. By you means that you do what God wants you to do. And people see in your life God working, God blessing, God taking care of you. God gets glory in that. And that's what God desires out of all of our lives. Upon you means that, that through your life, God is going to find a way to get glory. And it's not going to benefit you. It's a negative sense on your end. But God will still get glory out of it. We'll look at some Bible examples here in just a minute of that. If the potter does not... Uh, um, throw out the mistake, or excuse me, I already said that. The potter doesn't throw out the mistake. He, he breaks it down and builds it for another purpose. Proverbs 16.4 says, The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. As I've already said, God doesn't make mistakes. And God is willing to allow you to obey and bless you for it. God is also willing to allow you to not obey and have to punish you for it there because of it. We will submit to God's will for, the, uh, for honor, or we will become a vessel to dishonor. God says you're either going to be as the clay and submit to what I form you into, or I will break you down and form you into something else that I see as good, something else that I uh, can use. So the question is, are you, are you going to submit or, or are you not going to submit? Romans 9.21 says, Hath not the potter power over the clay of the same lump to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? Uh, we just have to come to this point. Verse 8, he says, If a nation against, here in Jeremiah 18, If a nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, then I will make them unto honor. I'm paraphrasing. And if the, something that I've built for honor... Uh, it does evil and doesn't obey, then they will be for dishonor to themselves and still honor for God. So, let's spend the rest of our time looking at this thought. What vessel are you? Are you a vessel that is submissive to the potter and allowed to, to be what God wants you to be? To live your life in a way that God wants you to live? To be one that God doesn't have to smash up and reform into something different? You know, we look at, at the lives, we'll look at two, two people in the Bible, examples that we have in the Bible in just a second. But we, we look at our lives and, and others' lives, and we have to understand that um, God doesn't make you do anything in the sense that God gives you free will. God gives you the opportunity to choose to obey or to not obey. And so God here is saying, I'm forming you into this, this is what I want you to be. And if you'll obey me, this is what you'll be. But if you won't obey, then I will have to make you into something different. And although God will still receive honor, you will not. Look in Judges. Will we turn there with me? Judges 13. This is going to be our first example. And this is Samson. Judges chapter 13. 
For me, Samson is one of the um, most disappointing stories in the Bible. We look at Samson and the great potential that Samson had. We look at Samson and what God intended for him. And we see that even though God still got honor and his purpose was still uh, accomplished, Samson didn't enjoy it very much. Let's look here in chapter 13, Judges 13. Look in verse number 1. It says, And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines forty years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, a family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold, now you are barren and bearest not, but thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing. For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head. For the child shall be a Nazarite unto God uh, from the womb, and he shall begin, in the, uh, begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. So here we see that there was, uh, we were studying through Judges in the afternoon service, and we'll be at Samson in two weeks uh, as well. But we see here that, that uh, Samson was a gift from God to his parents, as all children are. was a gift from God to his parents. And they told, the angel told Samson's mother and father, this child from conception has a purpose. And he has a vow that he is going to fulfill. So don't drink wine. Don't drink strong, strong drink. He is going to have the Nazarite vow. And we understand we've heard this before, so I won't go too far into it now. Uh, we'll look at it more in a couple weeks when we study it out in our afternoon service. But we know that Samson now, he's being born, and from the get-go, his parents are told there's a purpose for Samson. He's going to deliver Israel from the Philistines. I'm sure that his parents were ecstatic. As it says, she was barren. And so to have a child is a great miracle. And so we see the excitement that must be with that. So now Samson is born, and he's born with a purpose. But what do we know about Samson's life? Well, we know that Samson broke his vow. We know that he uh, touched of unclean things. We know that he uh, uh, drank of strong drink. We know that he cut his hair ultimately as well. So we see Samson, he is, he is someone whom God says, I'm going to use you to deliver uh, Israel from the Philistines. And he knew this from the time that he could know things, Samson did. Yet Samson's life was filled with the broken vows. It was filled with wrong motives. It was filled with sinful lifestyle. But we still see different things being used of Samson. Look in chapter 14. Listen, Samson was not obedient to his parents. He was not obedient to God. Look in chapter 14. Look in verse number uh, 2. Make sure I'm in the right spot. Yes, verse number 2. And he came and he told his father and his mother and said, I have seen a woman in Timnath of the daughters of the Philistines. Now therefore get her for me to wife. Now, I've heard many preachers, um, and I understand why we would say this, but they, you know, they'll, they'll say Samson was being rude to his parents and saying, go get her for me. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily the case. Uh, I don't know that he was being rude to his parents in this case, but we know that his dad and his mom said, well, wait, are there not any other women here that you can marry? And no, that's the one I want. And so they went and got her for him. 
Anyways, verse 3. Then his father and his mother said unto him, is, and There you go. Is there never a woman among the daughters of thy brethren, among all my people, that thou goest to take a wife of the uncircumcised Philistines? And Samson said unto his father, Get her for me, for she, is, she pleaseth me well. But his father and his mother knew not, what does it say? It was of the Lord. Now hold on a second. You're telling me that Samson was doing something that he should not have done, but it was of the Lord? Let's look at it, uh, the rest of the verse. But his father and his mother knew not that it was of the Lord, that he sought an occasion against the Philistines, for at that time the Philistines had dominion over Israel. Now listen to this. God has a plan for Samson. He's the potter and Samson is the clay. Samson, even before this, was already a, someone who was not obedient to God. Samson says, I, I, I want that woman. She pleaseth me well. And the parents say, well, well is there not someone here, someone, someone in Israel that you can marry? No, that's the one that I want. Now, God is allowing this. Why? Because it's still accomplishing God's purpose. It's not going to bring honor to Samson. We'll see that continued throughout Samson's life. But what God says is, I want you to be this. And Samson says, I don't want to be that. And so what God does is he says, fine. I'll make you into something else that I can still get honor out of. God's not going to make you obey. As a parent, we make our children obey, right? We have to. <laughs> it's very important for the, just the sanity level of ourselves if our children obey. Go clean your room. I don't want to. Did I ask you if you wanted to? No, go clean your room. Um, uh, do your homework. I don't like homework. Neither do I. That's why I finished and now I don't have to do it anymore. If you'll do your homework now, you can finish one day too, and you won't have to do it anymore either unless you're James. Uh, and you just keep going back for more. Uh, what you come down to this point is we make our children obey as parents biblically are commanded to, to train them, to teach them to do right. But here God says, listen, this is what you are supposed to do. This is what I'm telling you will bring you blessings. But if we say, no, I don't want those blessings, God says, fine, Whoosh. make you into something different. Samson here, he wasn't doing what was right biblically, but God knew what he was doing. God is the ultimate authority. And even though his parents didn't see the purpose behind this, God had a purpose behind this as well. So Samson went down in verse 5, uh, and uh, we see a lot of different excitement going on there. This is the uh, instance it says in verse number 5 at the end, And behold, a young lion roared against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. And, as, and he had nothing in his hand, and he told not his father or his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman, and she pleased Samson well. That wasn't a good instance. <laughs> but you see, God, God gave him the power to do so. God is still in charge, even if we're not obedient. Uh, we know the story of the uh, prodigal son, and a lot of times that's kind of what we think as young people, as well as if I could just get out from underneath my parents. Oh, I could just do what I wanted to do. I wouldn't be under their authority anymore. With God, we can't get out from underneath His authority. We're always under God's authority. And you hear many adults will say, well, if you're under my house, you follow my rules, or under my roof, you follow my rules, whatever. And I think that's true. To this day, I, I follow that rule. If I'm in someone else's house, whatever their rules are, that's, that's my rules too. But <laughs> we can't get out underneath the authority of God. And here's Samson. He, he did what he wanted to do, what he thought was his own will, 
But God was placing him, God was forming him, God was preparing him to accomplish God's will, even in his disobedience. God knew Samson was not obedient. That didn't surprise him. So what does that bring us to? Judges chapter 16, the vessel that ultimately Samson became. Judges chapter 16, look in verse number 21. The Bible says, this is after he had been uh, caught up, it says, But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. Skip down to verse 25. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, Call for Samson that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house and he made them sport and they set him between the pillars. What bowl did Samson become? What, what clay, what, what vessel did Samson become? He became a vessel of shame in, in people's eyes to him. He was shamed. He at one time was this, this uh, person who had uh, uh, godly power almost. The, the might, the strength that he had was not natural. It was not human. And he could do whatever he wanted. He seemed to always get away with it, didn't he? He killed people, which each time God used that in the deliverance of the people, the Israelites. But he, he killed people. He lied to people. He, he had an immoral life. And in, in his mind, I believe, in his mind, everything was good. I'm getting away with it. Nothing seems to be uh, happening to me. There's no consequence. And sadly, many times as Christians, we look out at the world and we go, well, there's no consequence for their actions. They're, they're rich and they're, they're wealthy and they're famous and they have this and they have that. And why does God allow that? Well, I'm telling you, you're either a vessel for honor or a vessel for dishonor. And just because you don't understand God's purpose in it doesn't mean that God doesn't have a purpose in it. And as a Christian, we should never be jealous or covetous of some lost person's possessions. Because their ultimate possession is going to be hell, and I guarantee you, you don't want that. And so here we have Samson, who, who his whole life has been do whatever he wants, and there's no consequence to it, so it seems. But now we see his vessel taking shape, and it's in the shape of shame in his life. He's now blind. He's walking, doing a donkey's job walking, grinding in, in the prison. Now they're merry, they're drunk, and they want sport. Bring out that Samson fella so we can cheer and laugh and jeer at him. And that's exactly what they did. They brought him out and it says that he made them sport. Utter shame on Samson's life. Now we know that God again used Samson. Samson asked God for his strength. God gave it to him. And Samson took his own life and what God used to judge the Philistines and to, uh, uh, to free the children of Israel. But I'm telling you, if it takes me taking my own life, that's not a path I want to take. It's not a vessel I want to be. If it takes me being shamed in front of people, that's, that's, that's not what I want. But that's the vessel that Samson was because he chose to not obey God and do what God wanted him to do. So God made him into this vessel. Now look at the opposite story of that. Let's go to the New Testament in Acts. Acts chapter 8. And let's look at Saul. We can look at many, many illustrations in the Bible. But let's look at Saul. 
Samson is one that had everything, could have had everything. But he didn't, he didn't want to follow what God's plan was for his life, so he became a vessel of shame to himself. Now Saul is the opposite of that. Look in chapter 8, verse number 1. It says, And Saul was consenting unto his death, that's Stephen. And at that time there was a great persecution against the church, uh, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hailing men and women, committing, committed them to prison. So here is Saul's life. If you look at his life, you would go, this guy, he's a problem. Um, he's a guy that God wouldn't like, you would think. He's a guy that Christians feared. He's a, he's a man that was doing all kinds of things, causing all kinds of problems for Christians in his time. They were persecuted. He was there for Stephen's death and obviously was consenting in it. He was there uh, as, as they were taking Stephen off to, to bury him. Saul was busting down doors, taking men and women who claimed to be Christians and throwing them in prison. As the Bible says, he made havoc of the church. There are still nations today who do this, by the way. And thankfully, we live in a nation that doesn't do this. But here... Saul is someone who is not living for God, someone who is doing evil, someone who is not, uh, not doing what you would think God would want him to do. But look in verse number, uh, well actually let's look in verse number 5. Uh, look what God says to, to Saul at the time. Um, oh, wrong chapter, sorry. Chapter 9, verse number 5. Uh, so we know Saul is now walking to Damascus and the bright light comes down. Look what God says to Saul. He says, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. Now listen, Saul was persecuting the church, the Christians, and Jesus, God, takes that very personal. Why? Because it is personal for God. He doesn't say, why are you persecuting my church? No, he says, who thou persecutest. I am him who you're persecuting. It is hard for thee to kick against the, the bricks. Um, look in verse number... Oh, we'll come back to that in just a moment. Um, and so we see... Oh, verse 15. Verse 15. Uh, and But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. So here we see Saul is persecuting Christians, and God says, you're persecuting me, Saul. That's who I am. I'm the one whom you're persecuting. Now he says to, uh, as, as Saul uh, is obeying God, and he's going where God told him to go, um, to Ananias. Uh, and so now Saul is there, and God says to Ananias, um, uh, because Ananias is saying, wait a second, I know this guy. <laughs> I've read about him in the paper. He's not a good fella. Probably not someone I should have in my home. Uh, not a good situation. God says to him, Go that way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and children of Israel. And then he adds to that, I'm going to show Saul how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Saul is going to suffer, but he's not going to face the shame that Samson faced. Samson suffered. But it was in great shame. Saul is going to suffer and he's going to take pride in his suffering. Why? Because of the vessel that he was. 
Now listen, God chose Saul, yes. He chose him for a purpose, yes. God also chose Samson for a purpose. The question is, is, is how you go about accomplishing that purpose. Will you do it obediently to God or disobedient? God's going to accomplish His purpose. It's just that simple. God's going to accomplish His purpose. Are you going to be submissive in doing His will or are you going to allow God to, to shape you into something that, that is not pleasing to you, that will not be a blessing to you? Let's look at a couple verses about, about Paul, Saul. Uh, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, or chapter 12, excuse me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Why would Saul not suffer like Samson did? Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse number 9. It says, And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient. Paul's saying, I have, I, have, uh, uh, I have a thorn in my flesh, he talks about in verse 7. So he's suffering. It's not pleasant. It's physically uncomfortable for him. Look in verse 9, though. He said unto me, My grace, God said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, Paul says, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He's suffering. Yet he says, I take pleasure. I've said this many times, I don't like pain. I do everything possible to avoid pain. I, I don't like pain at all. Paul says, I'm, I'm suffering for Jesus, literally. And he says, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, distresses when they're for Christ's sake. There's no shame in suffering for God. Now, sadly, Christians don't understand what it means to suffer for God. It doesn't seem like anymore. We think that when our, we don't get a big enough tax return that we're suffering for God. No, no. That's not suffering for God. Uh, most Americans have no idea what it means to suffer for God. Not all of them. Some do. But most of us, we live such a plush life, such a blessed life. We don't understand. And any time we go through any adversity for Christ's sake, we get scared and we run away. Paul never backed down from obeying God. Paul, who Saul and I think we understand this, Paul and Saul are the same people. Paul, he's saying he remembers what he did to Christians and he understood that he was well worthy of the same discipline and, and suffering that he gave out to other Christians. But he said, if I receive it, if it's for Christ's sake, then I'm going to pleasure in that. There's no shame in that. Obedience to God... And submission to what God has formed you to be. That's what we're seeing here in chapter nine, or verse number 9 and verse number 10. Paul's saying, I'm going to be submissive to what the potter wants to do with me. Whatever it is, I'm going to be submissive to it. Only God can give you the strength, uh, or God will only give you the strength when you realize that you're weak. When you come to the realization that I can't do it. Because we're going to face adversity for God and we're going to say, God, I, I, can't fa I can't do this. It's too hard. And God says, I know you can't. I'm here to help you. And then it's the decision that we have to make. Are we going to let God do with us what He desires? Are we going to, to buck God, to disobey God, to, to run from God and say, I'm just going to do my own thing because it's more comfortable? Oftentimes, following our flesh will be more comfortable in the present. 
um, Moses, he decided to go with God's people and with God as opposed to enjoy uh, sin for, or the pleasures of sin for a season. You see, sometimes we get messed up because we tell people, when you sin, you're going to be disciplined and you're going to be punished and it's going to be horrible. And, and I promise it will be. But sometimes it's not at first. There is pleasure in sin. That's why we do it. Because there's pleasure in it. But God says, don't go with the pleasure of this world because it's going to end. He says, let me make you into what I want you to be and so that you can re- receive blessings. Not just now, but for eternity. Paul here was humble. He understood who he was. Last verse, 1 Timothy chapter 1. If you'll turn there with me, 1 Timothy chapter 1. This is a place where we need to get humility and understanding who I am and who God is. 1 Timothy 1, look in verse number 12. It says, For with the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep them, to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the firm, uh, the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. The good things which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. I'm in the wrong book. You already knew that. 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 12. That's a good verse. Uh, <laughs> so good ones too. Uh, and I, I got to the second one. I thought this isn't right. I should have stopped then. Uh, 1 Timothy 1 verse number 12. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me. That's important. I have that highlighted in my, my Bible. Enabled me. God enabled me. For that which he counted me faithful putting me into the ministry, who was before Saul a blasphemer and a persecutor um, and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of the Lord uh, was exceeding abundant with faith and love, which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Paul, at this point, when he's writing to Timothy, had become a, a uh, I think you could say, famous. He was well known for his work for God by this point. He was someone who was faithfully serving God, preaching the Word of God, uh, helping Christians, and helping the lost understand the Gospel. And here is Paul, and he's saying, as we've heard many times, that, that he is the chiefest of sinners. It's not that God hadn't forgiven his sin, is that he understood who he was. And so if God wanted him to make if God wanted to make him into a coffee mug, he wasn't going to say no, I want to be a bowl. He's going to say I'm not worthy to tell God what I should be. I'm just going to submit to what God wants me to be. Because God came to save sinners of whom I am the chief. I'm the biggest sinner there is. And I could argue that was true. He was a murderer. He was someone who went against God openly. And God doesn't like that very much. But he understood who I am. He also understood who God is. God is the potter. He has the ultimate authority over me. I can either submit to his will or I can be marred where God has to break me down and form me into something different. It's a choice that I make. 
It's not to say that we're not going to make mistakes. It doesn't, not to say that at some point we're going to, to, as God is forming us into something that we're going to be marred. God says, if you'll repent, then I won't do the evil that I have planned for you. The destruction, the tearing down, the discipline, the punishment. When we sin, we're going to be punished. It happens every time. But God says, if you'll repent, I don't have to break you down. I can just fix it and keep going with the coffee mug. It's a decision we have to make. What vessel are you going to be? God warned Israel, and I believe it is fair enough to say that God warns us that if we're not obedient to God, God will destroy us. God will tear us down. God will discipline us. It says in the Bible that whom the Lord loveth, He chasteneth. And God loves us. He tells us so. What kind of vessel are you going to be? One that's submissive? And to say, listen, the potter has the authority. Whatever he wants to make me, that's what I'll be. Or are you going to be like Israel in, in many times in the Old Testament where they say, we don't care what God wants us to be. I'm just going to do my thing. You might find some pleasure in it, but I promise you it will ultimately end in shame. Take the examples that God gives us in the Bible of Samson and Saul and ask yourself, which one do you want to be? It really is, I believe, that simple. Which one do you want to be? Someone who made mistakes, yet God used and blessed and worked in his life. And someone who today we look to as, as one of the, 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 maybe the most famous, one of the best Christians that we can learn from, from the Bible. Or do you want to be Samson, someone who had great potential, who had great blessings from God as well, but didn't submit to God. And his life ended in shame. To me, it's an easy decision, but it's one that each of us must make, and we have to submit to what God wants us to be. The song says, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. Thou art the potter, I am the clay, mold me and make me after thy will. The reality is, is we have to pray that to God. God, whatever you want me to be, that's what I'll be. I'm going to be submissive as the clay, and I have to have faith and trust that God knows what he's doing with me and allow Him to make me what He wants me to be. Lord, I pray for Your help. We need it. God, I pray that You'd help us to understand as, as Paul ultimately did who he was and who You are. Lord, would You help us to understand who we are. May we be humble in the things that You've given us. And Lord, may we be submissive to, to Your ultimate authority and allow You to make us and to shape us into one, to what You want us to be. Lord, may we understand that with sin comes consequence. And Lord, that if we want to reject Your will for our life, You will still find honor, but we will not. And God, I pray that You'd help us to learn from these examples You've given us in the Bible, as well as from the clear verses that You've given us in the Bible, of the importance of obeying and following You. And Lord, although we may suffer, we don't have to suffer in shame. Lord, may we take glory in all that we do and all that we receive because of Your name. And Lord, may you help us to dedicate our lives each day to being what you want it to be. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we won't have a come forward invitation this morning. I won't even have you raise your hands this morning. I just want you to think on these thoughts. What kind of vessel are you? What kind of vessel are you becoming? Are you marred? If you are, you still have time to repent. Be humble. Understand what what you are, who you are, understand who God is. And if you don't, 
Ask. <laughs> Read your Bible. Ask me. We'll study it out together. Because if we don't know who God is, we will not properly submit to what He desires for our lives. God has plans for you. Would you let Him mold you and make you into what He wants you to be so that you can accomplish what He wants you to accomplish and find the great blessings that come with it as well. Lord, I pray for your help. Give us the strength that we need. Give us what we need to, to make the changes in our lives that are necessary. And God, if we're living currently honoring you and, and pleasing you, Lord, give us the strength to continue to do so. God, we thank you for your word and all that we can learn from it. We pray that we'd grow from your word today. We ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.